0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Bovada At Odds Podcast. My name is Seth Everett and he is the head odds maker at Bovada Sportsbook and that is the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, the, 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 the fallout from last week's episode, I felt really badly. We did this whole episode on all the odds at Bovada on the Super League, the proposed Super League, and it was such a big deal. And I think by the time we hit stop on the record, it was literally, it fell apart.
1: Yeah, and you know what, Uh, kind of a little disappointed that the league's not going to fruition. I I, I mean, I guess they're... You were in favor of it? Yeah, I was, was, I'm a chaos agent, Seth, and uh, I really dislike UEFA, I really dislike FIFA, and I thought anything that made them mad, uh, even if it was all about enriching uh, the already richest owners in pro football, pro European football, soccer, as we like to call it, uh, you know, I I was happy to, uh, you know, just kind of, Sit on the sidelines and watch things burn. But I really did think that, you know, legitimately, we and we talked about this last week. This idea that, you know, I never get to see Team Canada hockey play meaningful games against greater teams. I would like to see Liverpool, who I'm a fan of, play more meaningful games against the Real Madrids, the Barcas, you know, the Messies and stuff like that. That, you know, we only so rarely get to go up against. So I mean, I was in favor of that. And maybe there's a middle ground where They can, you know, schedule more friendlies and stuff like that. But with friendlies, you end up with, you know, these guys play a five, 10 minutes. It's kind of like preseason NFL where nobody really cares. So I was intrigued. I thought it was thoughtful. I thought it was outside of the box thinking. Um, So from that point of view, and I I, I think uh, even if the Super League uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen, I think the conversation was still a very rich one. And, you know, fortunately, we're not going to find ourselves in that kind of situation this week as we talk about the NFL draft where things only seem to change every few seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and the NFL draft is the one that's uh, it's interesting. You know, again, take me through. We have talked about this in the past, but when it comes to a draft, what are the odds on where player X goes, or what team X does?
1: Right, and uh, my gosh. So we, we talk about. Uh, you know, I, I think I've touched on this before. When it comes to trying to handicap awards. Uh, and really everything that's just that you can't quantify based on math. Then uh, I mean, uh, Ken Carman of CBS radio uh, posted this really good tweet a couple days ago, looking back at the 2018 NFL draft and the misinformation and disinformation and the so-called fake news. If we even want to go that far, you know, mm-hmm. we have Darnold or Rosen, according to Peter King, going absolutely to the Browns. We have, it's either going to be Josh Allen or Rosen or Darnold going to the Browns. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's Mayfield. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to throw everyone under the bus, but I, I do got these lists of, you know, it's an Ian Rapoport, it's a Mike Matt. So it is chaos for us to try and handicap and keep up on top of this stuff because there is a little bit of you know throwing stuff out there just to see if people bite on that. And people will bet into it. Uh, but fortunately, as we get to where we are now uh, with the draft, uh, you know, just a day or so away. You know, we're able to open up those limits up and we feel like we've got a better picture as what's going on. I would say what continues to be the most interesting thing, no surprise, is who will go at number three to San Fran. As it currently stands, Mac Jones is the minus 200 favorite at Bavada. And, uh, you know, what we've really seen there is a drop in Justin Fields' uh we do this a month ago and Justin Fields that maybe he sneaks into the second overall pick. Uh, You know, we, we knew it was going to be Trevor Lawrence, or we believe, you know, pretty, pretty sure it's going to be Trevor Lawrence at one, but you know, this rise of Mac Jones and this comfort that he's going to have, Hey, listen, whoever the 49ers draft with Kittle, with Debo Samuel, with all those weapons, he's going to succeed there. But I do feel bad for a guy like Justin Fields who had, you know, in my opinion, the most impressive college football playoff, you know, a great season at Ohio state you know, really getting dogged by these issues uh, that's come out about his health, uh, the fact that he has had epileptic seizures. It's something that hasn't uh, shown in his college career, but it's something that has dogged him. And I've always hated this about the draft that, you know, players, these kids, they're they're kids, you know, I'm an old man, I'm 34. These guys are kids. Most of them can't drink and they're just getting bagged on. And, you know, I, I am kind of curious though, you know, as Justin Fields has dropped and Mac Jones has risen, at my sweater, we've also curiously seen this Trey Lance talk. He is now two to one at Pavada slightly more likely than Justin Fields to be the third overall pick and go to San Fran. And, you know, you look at Trey Lance and, you know, he didn't play division one football. Uh, he's coming off a, uh, you know, injury. He's coming off, you know, a really incomplete college resume, but he kind of fits what a lot of people think, uh, can be successful as far. I, I'll be quite honest. I have no idea whether he'll be good or not. That said, again, I do think whoever ends up as QB and San Fran with Shanahan running that offense and with, you know, just an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver and tight end and Kittle, uh, you know, they are going to succeed, but you know, I, I think where some of the fun comes now and it's great to be able to talk about this this week, Seth is how much we've been able to add to the website and how much we've been able to beef up the limits because now with the draft upon us there's only so much more disinformation and Schefter tweets that can send us scrambling before thursday we can really open up these limits on the fourth overall pick the fifth overall pick literally what defensive position will each team pick with their pick in the first round and looking at it right now seth we now have about 75 different nfl uh, draft props wow. with wow. limits that are now beefed up a month ago you know we were kind of nervous if we were getting anybody betting over a hundred bucks on this. What do they know? What are they thinking? What have they heard? You know, should we overreact to that? But now we're letting people, you know, bet a grand or so into a lot of these. And we're feeling pretty comfortable with our positions now, which is great for the player. You know, players want to bet a lot into this. We would like to at least pretend that we know what we're doing with it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's great. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more excited about the draft now than I was last week, where, goodness gracious, it is too much to keep on top of.
0: Oh, it's a lot. And I guess my follow up question is, is, Okay, so everybody talks about the first round. I here's an example from my brain. Um, The first round, there's always going to be something that is unpredictable. It never goes according to the chalk. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the interesting part is the recap of the first round and then day two and then ultimately day three. What about live betting on days two and three? How much of a drop-off
1: is there? Right. So a a couple things occur uh, with our ability to offer lines on day two and day three as the NFL draft progresses. And that is we just haven't had this months upon months of buildup to offer these lines. We have that 24 hour turnaround to throw something out there, adjust a lot of our priors. Cause like you said, Seth, uh, there's going to be things that go off the board. There are going to be teams, you know, and God bless them. Sometimes it's the New York Giants or Detroit Lions. who historically have those head scratching kind of picks uh, that throw a lot of things into chaos. And I'm sure there are a few more GMs, but those are the ones that come immediately to my mind. But yeah, we have this very quick turnaround. You try and get a second round odd, which we will, as soon as the first round uh, draft is done that evening, we will be posting second round uh, draft odds immediately But I think the problem that we will run into there and the problem that players looking to bet into that is we will have to be incredibly cautious with these limits because we don't have months of trying to shape these lines, of trying to glean the information and the disinformation that we've had before. Uh, But, you know, that's not going to stop us from putting it out there. The players want it at We're going to give it to them.
0: Yeah, there's no secret about it. And the NFL draft should be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, this year, it's going to be a little bit better than last year. Last year, it was all on Zoom this year uh there's some players will be in cleveland others will be virtual but you know will they do it just like uh you know are you muted are you muted i hope you know i hope they've learned from the year of just present this a little better don't exacerbate the fact that it's not a complete in an arena with
1: fans and all that stuff it's limited And Schefter had this one tweet uh that really stuck out. Uh he said, uh, you know, Goodell and the players in attendance will all be fully vaccinated so they could hug on stage. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, Seth, that's the only time in this process that I've been vaccine hesitant. I don't <laughs> I don't want to hug Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Are you uh, fully vaccinated? Uh not in Canada at this moment. Oh, yet. that's right. You're,
0: you're not there yet.
1: No, we are we are lagging behind. Uh, unfortunately, my age group is uh, not been pegged for that just yet, but we're getting closer. That's okay. We're uh, we're we're making do. We're finding a way to stay I'm excited and stay out. entertained indoors.
0: I'm not gonna put this in then. That's a sure. That's but um, uh, you re- you see what's going on in America? It's now there's the, the supply has outweighed the demand.
1: Yes, I uh, a buddy of mine, Johnny Zikowsitz, Uh He re- uses his real name on Twitter, but he posted a really good scatter graph of. Uh, red states and uh, basically these first doses are slowing down around 40 to 50 percent of the population uh, getting them Mm -hmm. and then Christ I was reading New York Times uh, just yesterday and they said uh, 8 percent of Americans are not getting their second dose now I'm just yeah it's uh, yeah and I mean there's weird middle grounds where you have like a state like Illinois which is Democrat as they come, but obviously different demographics than, you know, New England states that, uh, you know, don't have that kind of awkward history of the U.S. government and, you know, how, you know, certain demographic communities feel about trusting the U.S. government. So uh, it's going to be a complicated process. So
0: strange. Yeah. And
1: they just announced
0: this morning um, uh, masks don't have to be worn outside, especially if you're vaccinated.
1: But so, if you go to a baseball game, even if you're fully vaccinated, uh, they were still recommending wearing masks. So Yep, unless you're in Texas. Unless you're in Texas or, or probably Florida, I would guess as well. Yeah,
0: so. I got to carry this around. You see it?
1: Uh, oh, you got to carry that around.
0: Wow. You got to carry it around. So what, what I did was I took a picture of it and I just store it on my phone mm-hmm. so that... Um you know, if anybody says, Why aren't you wearing a mask? I could go, you know, like I'm yeah. I'm cleared. And I mean, I'd love this to be an app. That would be amazing.
1: I, and and I, I think that's coming just like with air travel where you now get your e ticket and they just But it's gonna be
0: it's go. gonna be um but everybody's worried about privacy.
1: Yeah, I think Bullshit. you know we've already surrendered so much privacy by carrying around these things with everywhere we go and plugging in everything that we do with them. Location services. Uh, uh, if people wanted to fight that fight, uh, you know, they should have done that a long time ago. And uh, Which is not to dismiss privacy concerns. I completely, completely get that shit. That's just crazy. I think that battle has already been fought and lost. <laughs> it's it's nuts. It's it's bonkers. Okay. I'm taking that whole out. All right. Uh,
0: all right. Kentucky Derby. Here we go. So the draft should be a, a lot, of, lot of fun and I hope everybody uh, yeah, nobody needs to be hugging Roger Goodell. Um, we find we finish up with the horses and uh, I get to tell one of my favorite stories. Uh, I was on Fox Sports Radio in the United States and they misjudged the time. So they booked me right after the Kentucky Derby ended. This was probably 10 years ago. And I had done no research on the Derby because my job was, I was a baseball insider and uh, that was why I was coming on for, I wasn't talking baseball and they booked me for the wrong time. They told me the wrong time. They put it on their sheet. The wrong time. The Derby had just ended and the host just has to run with it. And he says, so what's your thoughts on the Derby? And I remembered one of Jerry Seinfeld's greatest comedy bits ever. He says got to give it to horse racing. Do the horses even know it's a race? <laughs> you think the horses at the end is saying, "Hey, you got first, I got third. All right." They're probably saying, "Nope. Oh, bag. Time to get my oat bag now." And then he go and then Jerry says, uh, "So they're laughing." And then Jerry says, um, he says, "I'll tell you one thing we don't tell them. We don't tell them that if they break their legs, we blow their brains out." <laughs> So he says, I guarantee you if the horses knew and they were coming up the final turn, they'd be like, All right, all right, everybody, (laughs) slow down, slow down. You win, I'll place, whatever. What's important is your health. And I had the guys rolling. They were laughing. And then I had to give credit. And I said, that's a Jerry Seinfeld bit. That's not my bit, but you put me on the spot. And so every time I think of the Derby, all I say is, do the horses even know it's a race?
1: Yeah, I have a, you know, it's great that the Kentucky Derby is uh, back and it was there last year, but it's, you know, we have fans in attendance. I think they're expecting something like 45,000 people are going to be there at the race on Saturday at Churchill Downs. Uh, You know, no, no secret that it's just, it's a massive betting day for us at Bavada. There's futures, there's props, there's everything else. Uh, uh, You know, gosh, it's it's funny. You you mentioned uh, the horse racing and you mentioned uh, the dangers of these horses and, you know, I like horse racing, but I've seen horse racing in the UK. Seth, have you ever seen the Grand National, where there's 60 of these horses, and they're not just racing; they're jumping, they're clearing hurdles. Something like only a quarter of them end up finishing the race. I mean, I am—I'm—I'm um, I'm, I'm not a pearl clutcher, but my goodness, I—I I think the folks <laughs> that are worried about horse racing in the states could see the absolute state of this. I, I was actually in Liverpool a couple a couple of years ago during the Grand National. I saw a soccer game and the races, trip of a lifetime. And I if the average North American could see what they saw, you know, they might not think the Kentucky Derby was so bad. but getting back to the race itself, uh, you know what a lot of people like to do is speculate about the Kentucky Derby. You can bet on these futures odds uh, six months out with the caveat being that you're kind of throwing darts because you don't really know who's going to be in there. Uh, a great example is Rock Your World was 66 to 1 before the Santa Anita Derby. It's now down to plus 450. It's right there with uh, Essential Quality. That's the plus 275 favorite. So there are these opportunities to kind of take flyers. You know, these futures bets really do exist. But again, uh, you know, there's not even a chance. There's not even uh, a guarantee, pardon me, that that horse will actually compete in the race. You know, a good thing now with the field set, Uh, Because we have seen this in the week leading up to the race is our rules are at Bavada that now that the field is set that if you were to bet on a horse now and they were to drop out for whatever reason prior to the race Saturday, uh, full refund on that bet, uh, you know, this is Derby week, you know, we don't want to. We don't want to win bets off players in a scenario like that. You know, we want people to have a ticket, something that they can root for. And if they can't, that they can get that back leading into the race. So it's the futures, it's the props, it's the silly hats. Uh, Even though I may think it's the most overrated two minutes in sports. Listen, I'm going to be there watching it.
0: Right. Well, it's two minutes. And, you know, for all the people who complain sports take too long, this is fast. This is two minutes. The Kentucky
1: Derby. Uh, it's for the millennial generation. That's right. That's, you know, I, maybe we'll see the ratings uptick this year.
0: Well, you know, the, the weird thing is, is people realize you know, you bet on the horses, but the stories are all about the jockeys. It's always about, you know, it, it, Todd Pletcher, the trainer, and this, you know, Wayne Lucas or Dean Wayne Lucas and like all, all these guys. And and it's those stories, you know, and I think it's because at the end of the race, you can't interview the horse. <laughs>
1: i wouldn't like it like jerry seinfeld said if the horse is only new
0: if the horse is only new <laughs> well, oh you got first i got third nope. i'm thinking <laughs> oh bag time to get my bag now and the other the other bit he always uh, railed on in the same conversation was scuba diving it's like here's another sport where it's the only thing you're trying to do is not die And he's like, he puts the mask on and he goes, don't die. Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. There's a fish. There's a rock. Who cares? Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. And I just, I I laughed because it's the same bit as the the, the, the horse racing. So we have that. All right. So um, there's no super league. Uh, The NFL draft is this weekend. You have the horse racing and it's another example of how baseball just gets pushed on the back burner. You're already competing against the NBA and the NHL. But the next aspect of this whole thing is once the NFL draft takes over, it dominates the sports lexicon. Like the NFL draft takes over, except for two minutes on Saturday when the Kentucky Derby happens. But every other sport, and it's not just baseball, but every other sport gets shoveled off and you will see less talk about basketball, baseball, hockey this weekend than any other weekend. It shows the magnitude of what the NFL is in North America.
1: Yeah, it's uh, as much as it begrudges me to say the NFL still continues to be king. Uh, I'm, it's tough to follow along with baseball again with this backdrop of not just the NFL draft, but NHL and NBA still underway. Uh, The most compelling thing this baseball season for me, I got to say so far is, uh, you know, Trout is doing Mike Trout things. He's hitting 400, but Shohai Otani, 50 to one to be the MVP. Uh, I think, you know, finally, he didn't have a good start the other night. He, you know, he gave up, uh, I think four runs or so. He scored four runs. He had four runs, uh, you know, either scored or batted in as well. He's doing, you know, (laughs) Babe Ruth things out there in a way that we haven't seen quite literally till then. And I think, that has been my favorite MLB story this year. Uh, Fifty to one at Bavada before the season started, and he's now down to three to one.
0: It's it, 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 you're you're absolutely right, and there's definitely something to be said for uh, the idea that um, there was a rough Sunday. You want to talk about baseball for a second? I'll give you a yeah. rough Sunday. Uh, Sunday, I tuned in to Mariners Red Sox. There were. Uh, four run first inning off this Mariner pitcher, the Seattle pitcher, four run first inning, three bases loaded walks and a hit batter. Yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, my God, the, no, nobody's making any contact. Like, this is boring. And then I shut that off because I dozed off. Honestly, I fell asleep. And that afternoon, Madison Baumgartner throws a seven inning no hitter. And they're saying it's not a no hitter because it was only seven innings. But the game counts. And the victory counts, but it's not a no-hitter because this is one of the dumbest rules baseball has. And then Sunday night, you had your marquee matchup. This was as good as baseball gets. San Diego and Los Angeles, national television, ESPN Sunday night game. And what happens? You ended on a sack fly because of a runner you put on second base because of another dumb rule. I'm sorry. I I thought baseball had a horrible weekend.
1: Yeah and you know what baseball eventually will have to figure out what it is that it wants to be in 2021. Uh you know, they're trying to get new fans, they're trying not to alienate uh, traditionalists and what we have is this mishmash in the middle where we're just putting guys on second, we're creating new stat categories that uh You know, people uh, more serious than me are arguing about on Twitter, whether it's meaningful or not. Listen, I'm a bit of a grump that when I see a no hitter that has five walks attached to it, that I'm generally not too impressed either. Good for the guys. It's still a quality outing. And I think that quality outing is a nice little catch all thing. But between that and, you know, gosh, even the legacy stats like wins. When you look at a pitcher like Jacob deGrom, who the poor bastard can't score all the runs himself too. Uh, And once again, a Cy Young favorite right now at Bavada, But, uh, you know, uh, baseball does have an identity issue right now that it'll need to solve. And it's certainly not helped by playing games right now against so many other exciting and more compelling sports.
0: You know, but the one argument, you know, that that, uh, about Jacob deGrom, I don't like the comparisons. I'm not saying he's not dominant. And I'm not saying he's not a Cy Young candidate, but you want to talk about 15 strikeouts when everybody's striking out? That's the thing. What I'd like to see Jacob deGrom do is go the distance like he did, strike out seven, have a grounder to short, have a bouncer to third, make a nice throw, have a guy make a great catch in the outfield, like just a little more action. I don't, people say, don't you love pitcher's duels? Yes, but 15 strikeouts is boring. Every time. And watch a guy, watch Kerry Wood or watch Roger Clemens strike out 20 in times when, when you got two strikes, the hitter was doing everything in their power to not strike out. And now what they're trying to do is launch the ball.
1: They're they're trying to launch the ball or they're just trying to get on base. They are trying to, you know, there's a school of thought that even even if you strike out because you didn't get out on that very first pitch, you know, you have worked that pitcher a little bit harder because you didn't ground out to second on the very first thing you saw, you know, that was still a more successful at bat. If you were able to strike out after five or six or seven pitches. Uh, I mean, that's not particularly exciting for people in attendance or people watching on TV, but, uh, I mean, there is a results-based analysis that suggests that it's positive going that route. So, I, I get it. I, you know, what, what I'd really like to see out of Jacob de deGrom is, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of that Otani stuff. Uh, you know, maybe he should have uh, taken a little uh, BP practice from Bartolo Colon when he was there. Uh, Bartolo Colon, you know, halfway between that, you know, Ruth and Otani uh, comparison, but maybe not for the right reasons
0: yeah I, I mean there's definitely there's definitely to uh, too something to say for that no, no, no secret about it. All right that'll do it for this edition of the uh, Bavada Ad odds podcast. Thank you for listening. make sure you get your NFL draft bets 75 prop bets uh, for the NFL draft also the horse racing as well the Kentucky Derby and much much more to come. Uh, we will see you next week with another exciting episode. See ya Patrick see you folks. Do the horses even know what to
1: race?